what is going on Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode we are going to be recapping all of the action from this past college football week, aka week 3 of the 2022 college football season. And guys, did we have some very interesting matchups. We had Texas A&M taking on Miami and College Station. We had Oklahoma traveling up to Lincoln to take on Nebraska, which now does not have Scott Frost. So we'll talk a little bit about some of those games later on. But anyway, guys, before we do start talking about all the college football action from the past weekend, I first want to talk to you all a little bit about Anchor.fm's monthly supporter program. Now, I know that I just had an ad earlier in the episode, but... This is kind of something I just want to do personally because it would definitely help me in the long run for the podcast. Now, what the monthly supporter program is on Anchor, it's $4.99 a month. It's pretty much similar to any type of subscription you would have to any other platform or anything like that. It allows me to be able to better the quality of the podcast. It allows me to be able to eventually give some of the uh, monthly supporters some exclusive perks and just a bunch of cool things that will definitely help. Excuse me, guys. Just a bunch of things that will definitely help me better the podcast and the quality going forward. Now, it's not required. I'm not telling y'all y'all have to do it in order to listen because I appreciate every single one of y'all, every single one of y'all taking the time out of your day to come on to the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast and just take a listen because it truly does mean the absolute world to me. But anyway, guys, like we always say here on the Cover 7 podcast, I don't want to waste y'all's time, so let's get right into some college football games i almost said news but college football games now the first game of week three that i want to talk about is going to be the florida state seminoles off of a bye week after beating lsu in new orleans in a what was an absolutely insane game they traveled up to louisville to take on the one and one louisville cardinals who have had, have had definitely an interesting start to the season because they got blown out at syracuse week one then they traveled to ucf and played the knights who Honestly, UCF should have won that game, but ultimately Louisville would come out with a win, which kind of shocked a lot of people, including myself. But anyway, let's talk about some of the actual game. Now, the game started off with Florida State and Louisville kind of at each other's necks. I mean, when Florida State scored the first touchdown, so did Louisville. And then when Florida State uh, threw another touchdown, Louisville would immediately respond, or I think it was vice versa. Louisville scored, and then uh, Jordan Travis threw an absolute dot into the end zone to tie the ball game up 14-14 at the end of the first. Now, in the second quarter, things did get very interesting because Florida State starting quarterback Jordan Travis would go down with what was apparently a leg injury. Now, as of this recording, we don't know the severe the severity yet of the injury. I'm hoping, obviously, everything is okay because not only would that be a huge blow to Florida State, but that would be a huge blow for a kid that has made such, and I mean such, a drastic improvement in his career because when he first got to Florida State he was pretty much just a running quarterback and now that he's playing after pretty much three seasons so far at Florida State he's become arguably one of the top quarterbacks in college football but even despite Jordan Travis coming out of the game he still finished that game going 13 for 17 with 157 yards passing two touchdowns and then the one pick where he would end up getting injured on the play now on the flip side for Louisville their offense was pretty much just Malik Cunningham. Now, if you're wondering who Malik Cunningham is and if you've never heard of him, he is pretty much Lamar Jackson 2.0, except he just cannot throw as well. Now, that does not mean uh, Malik cannot throw at all, but he does sometimes have some inconsistencies when it comes to his throwing. But anyway, Malik Cunningham had himself an absolute day as he went 23 for 34, 243 passing yards with one touchdown and then one interception. And then 
on the opposite side for Louisville and their rushing stats, uh, Malik Cunningham pretty much had all of their rushing yards as Malik Cunningham, the starting quarterback for the Cardinals, had 17 carries for 127 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the day. So, yeah, an absolutely brilliant day for Louisville. And then for Florida State, they also had a decent running game going as well. They had two running backs who had over 50 yards, the first one being Treshawn Ward, who had 10 carries for 126 yards. And then they also had T. Benson, who had 10 carries for 70 yards. So overall, this game was definitely an offensively focused game, despite Florida State losing their starting quarterback in this game. And then also for Florida State, one of the players that I know a lot of people were very interested in, in seeing if he could potentially emerge for the team was true sophomore Johnny Wilson, and he finally got the career game that I know a lot of Florida State Seminole fans were waiting for as he had seven receptions for 149 yards receiving and two touchdowns. Now, that kind of wraps it up for all the statistics in this game. And overall, I mean, when you look at stats, it kind of would pretty much like pretty much kind of guide you to the point that, yeah, Florida State blew out Louisville, but it was anything but that. Florida State had a lot of key mistakes. Louisville had a lot of key mistakes. And overall, I'm kind of shocked that the score was the way it was because for a while there, it looked like Louisville could have potentially upset Florida State, who honestly was a huge favorite going into this game against a team that offensively has no one else except their starting quarterback because they lost their best receiver, Tyler Harrell, to Alabama in the transfer portal. But besides that, Florida State would have, would hold off the fighting Cardinals of Louisville 35-31. to Now, Florida State, they improved to 3-0 and then 1-0 in the ACC. Louisville falls to 1-2 and two, and then 0-2 and in ACC play. So not an ideal start for Louisville, but this is kind of the final year before a lot of things do start to click for them. But for Florida State, this might be the year that a lot of people were waiting for for Mike Norvell and the Seminoles. Just we have to wait and see, you know, kind of the injury status on Jordan Travis as he will be a huge part in Florida State's success going forward. Now, anyway, we only had one more game on Friday slate, which was Air Force traveling up to Wyoming to take on the Cowboys. And this game actually was kind of shocking as Wyoming would come out with the win 17-14 to over Air Force, who's kind of been known as a very, very, I guess you could say, solid program in all of college football. So Wyoming does take the W over Air Force. Now, anyway, guys, let's get on to the main attraction of this Week 3, a.k.a. College Football Saturday. Now, the first game in this college football Saturday, just absolute thrill ride. We're going to first talk about number one Georgia Bulldogs traveling to Columbia, South Carolina to take on Spencer Rattler and the unranked South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, going into this game, I personally thought a lot more of or a lot more would come out of South Carolina. I know their offense was very disappointing when they did travel to Arkansas last week and you know, they really just didn't get anything going. Their defense has been atrocious to start the year. And the same kind of trend came in this game. But before we do start going down through all the stats and everything, I just want to say that Georgia's star tight end, Brock Bowers, should probably be in the NFL right now the way that he just played today. And, you know, I'll give you some stats just to let you all know about how good he did play. Now, Brock Bowers on the day had five receptions for 121 yards with two touchdowns. And he also had one rushing touchdown. Yeah, Brock Bowers, and he's a tight end, and he's just a sophomore too, a true sophomore. So he still has to play another year of college college football. So imagine what Georgia's going to continue to do with him and Darnell Washington in their tight end room. But also, it's, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about Stetson Bennett, who had himself an absolutely amazing day as well. 
as Stetson Bennett, he went 16 for 23, 284 yards passing with two touchdowns and no picks. So Georgia offensively, they completely dominated South Carolina the whole game. And then on the flip side, for Spencer Rattler, the former five-star quarterback, former Oklahoma quarterback, most known for getting replaced by Caleb Williams, who's now the star quarterback at USC. He had a horrible, and I mean a horrible day, as he went 13 for 25, 118 yards passing with two interceptions and no touchdowns. So, yeah, it was not a great day at all to be a South Carolina fan, to say the least. Spencer also had this just absolutely ridiculously bad interception where he completely underthrew his wide receiver. I think it was a curl route, and he threw it about three yards short of where the wide receiver was right into the hands of a Georgia defensive back. So very concerning game if you're a South Carolina fan because I know a lot of them going into this game expected, you know, maybe you could put up at least 21, 28. Yeah, they didn't even get to double digits as the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs defeated South Carolina 48-7. to So Georgia, and I mean honestly, and I say this, you know, not being sarcastic or anything like that, I legitimately think Georgia could potentially go back-to-back this year, which is something that we have not seen in, I think it's been years. So could we potentially see Georgia end up back in the national championship game this year? And honestly, I mean, they've only allowed, I think, what has it been, like 10 or 13 points the whole season so far, and they just played three games already this year. So, yeah, this Georgia team is not a team that you're going to want to face at all during this season. Now, the next game we're going to talk about in this uh, early afternoon slate here on Saturday is going to be UConn traveling up to Ann Arbor to take on the fourth-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Not a lot to say in this game. I mean, Michigan has played pretty much three scrimmage games to kick off the year. You know, they haven't really played any, I guess you could say, competition yet. They played Colorado State. I forgot who the, uh, I think, yeah, Colorado State, Hawaii, and now UConn, who are all like bottom 20 teams in all of college football. So we haven't really seen a lot out of Michigan yet, but they did majorly handled business against UConn as they beat the Huskies 59-0. So, I mean, nothing against, you know, nothing against Michigan. They're still a great team. They have a lot of great offensive weapons. And J.J. McCarthy, who is now their starting quarterback, they got Blake Corum, who's been an absolutely fantastic running back. So there still is a lot of bright spots on this Michigan team, but... I just really need to see them play some competition before we can, I guess you could say, actually judge them based on how they are as a team and talent and everything like that. Now, anyway, the next game that we're going to talk about and one of the biggest games is college football week three weekend. Number six, Oklahoma Sooners traveling to Lincoln, Nebraska to take on the Nebraska Corn Huskers. Now, Nebraska, who just recently fired their head coach and Scott Frost after a horrible start to the season, most notably their loss against Georgia Southern last week. So there was a lot of fans that were kind of expecting Nebraska to maybe potentially turn things around against this Oklahoma team who kind of similar to Michigan had not really played anyone up until this point of the year. Now, at the beginning of the game, Casey Thompson and this Cornhusker offense were absolutely phenomenal as Casey Thompson threw an absolute dot into the end zone to get the Huskers on the board first. It was 7-0 at that point. It was starting to look like, okay, maybe the, the Huskers were fine without Scott Frost. Maybe they'd be able to continue to just dominate and, you know, look like the uh, Nebraska of old. Well, and that was until Dylan Gabriel proved why he potentially is probably going to end up being a Heisman candidate as Dylan Gabriel had himself an absolute career day as he went 16 for 27 for 230 yards passing and two touchdowns. Now, statistically, nothing absolutely like astonishing, but when you watch this game, 
Dylan Gabriel is a beast, and he also had a 61-yard rushing touchdown that would uh, bring the uh, the Sooners back into the game. And then after that, it was pretty much just a absolute stomp fest from Oklahoma. Now the rushing game was huge for the Sooners as Eric Gray, the former, uh, I think he was yeah former Tennessee running back, he had 11 carries for 113 yards rushing with two touchdowns. Uh, Jay Barnes had 13 carries for 77 rushing yards, and overall, I mean. Oklahoma just looks so unstoppable today. I mean, they were getting the ball everywhere. Uh, Marvin Mims, the starting receiver for Oklahoma, he didn't have himself a touchdown. He should have, but he still had himself a pretty solid day as he had four receptions for 66 yards. And, you know, when you look on the flip side, you know, Casey Thompson statistically did not have a bad day at all. Like, if you just look at the pure stats, he went 14 for 20 for 129 yards passing with one touchdown. So nothing bad at all. But... If you watch the game, his O-line could not block. I mean, they could not block a turtle if it was in front of him. So Casey Thompson this whole game was pretty much running for his life. He never really got a lot of opportunity up in the pocket. And, I mean, you know, when you see the zero interceptions, that's also kind of a thing where, you know, is it really on Casey Thompson or is it more on the fact that his offensive line just could not block and help him at all? And that was kind of the case because this Oklahoma defense was absolutely on fire today. Like, I mean, they, I've, I mean, this is the first time I genuinely can say that I've seen an Oklahoma defense just so, I mean, just so dominant. Like, there was nothing Nebraska could do. And, and you know, really in this game, Nebraska shouldn't even have had 14 points. It was more of a garbage time uh, touchdown. So, really, the score, when you look at it, probably should have been like 50-something to 7. But, luckily enough for Nebraska, they did get a late touchdown, but... OU would beat the Cornhuskers 49-14 to in the old Big 12 rivalry game that, I mean, obviously Oklahoma wanted it more, and they really are trying to prove to the country that, you know, Brent Venables is a huge addition for them. And honestly, I think Brent Venables might have been a better choice for them than Lincoln Riley. You can call me crazy, but after watching this game and how well-balanced Oklahoma was on offense and on defense, this is a team that, honestly, if you're in the Big 12 and especially in the college football playoff, and I know – the past few years, Oklahoma has just been absolutely horrid when it comes to being in the college football playoff. But, I mean, now that they have a very capable head coach who's defensive-minded, they have an offensive coordinator in Jeff Lebby who is such an amazing play caller. I mean, this team is going to be severely scary come uh, late into December when the playoffs do start. Now, the next game that we're going to talk about is going to be Youngstown State traveling to Lexing Lexington to take on the ninth-ranked Kentucky Wildcats now coming off a week that they had just upset the 12th ranked Florida Gators at the time this was kind of just one of those more relaxed games kind of bring ourselves back to earth and you know they didn't absolutely dominate Youngstown State obviously when you look at the score but it was still a very solid game all around for Kentucky as they would go on to beat Youngstown State 31 to 0 now the next game that we had in this afternoon slate is was uh, Texas State traveling to Waco to take on the 17th ranked Baylor Bears now Baylor, which, you know, just coming off a pretty upsetting loss to BYU last week and what was a horribly, horrible kicking game. Like, I mean, no kicker in that game could make a kick to absolutely save their life. It was like there was some type of magnet that was pretty much attracting the ball to the left side of the field goal, like the field goal. So it was just, it was a wacky game. Baylor would ultimately end up losing it. So I'm glad they didn't drop a lot because BYU is just a very solid team overall. But anyway, Baylor took very well care of Texas State, 42-7. to And, I mean, I expect Baylor to be pretty solid this year. Now, will they compete probably for a Big 12 championship? 
No offense, I don't really think they will. I think that there's going to be a couple of teams, especially in the Big 12 this year, and, you know, no bias. I think TCU, oh, Oklahoma State still has a pretty good shot, and then obviously Oklahoma, and potentially Texas if Quinn Ewers does come back at a reasonable time. But anyway, Baylor does take care of Texas State. And that was really it for the um, early afternoon slate. There wasn't, like, a ton of games going on. There's kind of a lot of kind of smaller schools, but nothing very noteworthy. But now let's talk about the mid-afternoon slash early evening slate of games. And boy, oh boy, do we have some pretty good matchups. And the first matchup I want to talk about is going to be Penn State traveling down to Auburn to take on the Auburn Tigers. Now, this is the funny part. This is the first time in, I think, decades that we've seen a Big Ten team travel down south to go play at a sec school because normally when you think of penn state you don't think of them ever going really anywhere outside of like the midwest and up north like you know because it's just it's pretty much rare so it's kind of interesting seeing them finally play at a sec school in an away game versus them being at home up in happy valley but anyway this game was a very solid game if you were a penn state fan because boy oh boy did penn state's run game just absolutely demolish auburn today now, when I say this, and I'm being completely serious, I think in a few years from now, we could we could actually start to consider Penn State as running back you. And you're probably wondering, why would we do that? You know, you've got Georgia. You've got all these other schools that have produced so many, you know, so much talent at the running back position. Well, just in the past few years, they've produced two starting running backs in the league, Saquon Barkley for the Giants, Miles Sanders for the Eagles, and... I mean, they've got potentially a three-headed monster right now at running back with a true freshman, Nick Singleton. And then you also have another running back in Katron Allen, who's been, who was absolutely dominant today. And then to wrap up the trio of running backs, you also have on top of that Devin Ford. Now, anyway, let's talk about kind of how this game went. Now, early on, it was very balanced. You could say... Uh, uh, Sean Clifford, the starting quarterback for Penn State, he got absolutely rocked on one hit. I posted it to the Instagram here on the cover segment with Mason Pierce podcast. And oh my goodness. I mean, I honestly was shocked he got up. That's how hard he got hit. The ball went flying. I mean, it literally was like one of the hardest hits I think I've ever seen in college football. But but I guess that kind of snapped something in him. You know, they say like it rung his, it rung his bell. I mean, it literally rung his bell because after that point, Sean Clifford for the rest of the day would go 14 for 19, 178 yards passing. Didn't have any touchdown, uh, throwing uh, throwing touchdowns or any interceptions, but he did have one rushing touchdown on the day to help Penn State get to the point where they were at. And then just in the second half, we absolutely saw an absolute explosion of rushing game. And this came in the form of former top recruit and current true freshman at Penn State, Nick Singleton. Now, Nick Singleton... Dude is one of the fastest running backs probably in college football. And in this game, he act I mean he exploded onto the college football landscape as he had 10 carries for 124 rushing yards with two touchdowns, which would help lead the Penn State Nittany Lions over the Auburn Tigers. And wait till you hear this score. 41 to 10. Yes, this was in Auburn. This was not up in Penn State like last year. This was down in Auburn. Now, on the flip side for Auburn, there's a lot of question marks going in, you know, from this point on. Will Coach uh, Harson be able to keep his job? Because as we all know, he saw a lot of controversy early on in the year, not not the season, but early on in 2022 due to a lot of scandals. And then add on top of that, the, the former athletic director for Auburn had uh, stepped down, or I guess he put it as resigned from Auburn, which was probably just a nicer way of saying he got fired. So... Potentially at that point, we already knew that 
you know, Coach Harson was pretty much on a, you know, you lose this one bad game, you're going to be out, and we're going to be looking for your replacement. And then to also add on top of that, Auburn doesn't really have a solidified QB1 because TJ Finley, outside of a few solid passes he had today, he wasn't really that solid. I mean, he had a costly interception where he should have thrown the football out of bounds, but instead he tried to make something out of nothing, which resulted in an interception that Penn State would later, excuse me, score for a touchdown. So not the best game for TJ Finley by any means. And when you look at it statistically, he didn't play necessarily horrible. He had a le- he was 11 for 19 with 152 yards passing and one uh, interception. Didn't have any touchdowns on the day, but he did make a couple really solid kind of tightrope uh, throws. But after a while, you could tell that the offense was going absolutely nowhere with TJ Finley as a quarterback. So they decided to go with former Oregon quarterback Robbie Ashford. Now, Robbie he didn't do necessarily horrible considering the circumstances that Auburn was already facing, the huge deficit they already had at this point. Now, Robbie, he went 10 for 19. He threw 19 uh, throws as well. But he had 144 passing yards with one touchdown and then one interception. So, statistically, a little bit better. But both of these guys had a lot of struggles in this game. And I know the offensive line play for Auburn was not the greatest because even Auburn's starting running back, Tank Bigsby, who's Pretty much everyone knows if you're a big fan of college football, you know is he's, that he's one of the highly regarded running backs in all of college football. So just overall a pretty just horrifyingly bad game for Auburn fans. And, I mean, really it's going to be interesting to see how they do rebound, especially when they do start SEC play here in about a week or two. So we'll talk a little bit about that in the preview for next week. But Penn State absolutely demolishes and now owns Auburn as they beat the Auburn Tigers 41-12. to now, the next game in this late afternoon slash evening or early evening uh, slate of games that we're going to talk about is going to be the 12th ranked BYU Cougars traveling to Eugene, Oregon to take on the 25th ranked Oregon Ducks. Now, Oregon, despite a horrifyingly bad loss to Georgia week one, which after this game, we'll kind of start to realize how good Georgia really is. They're playing a BYU team that is definitely motivated, you know, after making a statement win against a uh, Uh, Baylor last Saturday you know they had a lot that they had to prove in Oregon same as them because they really had to prove to the rest of the country why they deserve to be back in the top 25 as well as starting quarterback Bo Nix because he played a horrible in their game against Georgia but then kind of had a bounce back game against Eastern Washington last week now anyway the tale in this game was the fact that Oregon Oregon's offense which is kind of funny to think because Dan Lanning is a defensive coach which their defense was phenomenal today don't get me wrong but Oregon's offense kind of took over this game even from the get-go as they led after the first quarter 10 to 0 over BYU and Bo freaking Nix the former Auburn quarterback had five total touchdowns on the day he absolutely balled out now for throwing wise Bo Nix went 13 for 18 for 222 yards passing with two touchdowns And then for rushing, he had even more as he had nine carries for 35 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Now, BYU, they didn't play necessarily horrible. I wouldn't say that their offense was, like, disgustingly bad because their starting quarterback, Jaron Hall, actually did have statistically a pretty solid day. Now, I didn't watch the full game, but when I did watch it, they just weren't able to get a lot of passes off that we were known for them to do. But Jaron did have himself a pretty solid day as he went 29 for 41 305 yards passing with two touchdowns. Now, BYU pretty much had no run game as they only had a total of 61 rushing yards on the day. And then on the flip side for Oregon, they had a total of 212 yards rushing in this game to add on top of the 227 passing yards. So 
Oregon on uh, just both sides of the football absolutely dominated this game. And, you know, I don't want to overhype Oregon because at the same time, BYU has never really been known to absolutely dominate in away games. Obviously, when you're playing in your home stadium, it's going to be a huge boost for you, which is probably another reason why BYU probably just absolutely lost it. But at the same time, I do think BYU definitely deserves to be 23rd, 24th in the country. They definitely don't deserve to be in the teens for sure. That's a fact after watching this week. And, you know, and Oregon as well. I think Oregon should be able to get boosted up in the teens, but I don't want to overhype Oregon until we see them play some really good competition because we'll talk a little bit about Washington here in a little bit as they upset Michigan State. And then we'll also talk about USC, who just absolutely dominated Fresno State. And, you know, the Pac-12, despite, you know, always being kind of a laughing stock, they're actually not that bad this year so far. And I'm going to say so far because... You, you, once you get high expectations for the Pac-12, they always seem to somehow let you down. So I don't want to I don't want to talk too highly of that conference because for some reason they just absolutely find some way to get upset by a team that they had no reason to even be losing to. But anyway, the 25th ranked Oregon Ducks upset the 12th ranked BYU Cougars 41 to 20 up in Eugene. And before we do start talking about the other, the next game on today's slate. I want to give a sh- I want to give a shout out to BYU for the amazing tribute that they did for um, uh, the late Spencer Webb, a former tight end at Oregon who tragically passed away um, late in this late late this summer. So huge shout out for BYU for just being absolutely amazing in that aspect. And that's I mean that's something that that's why we love college football. We love things like that where you know they pay their respects as well. And you know despite them not getting the win, they they showed an amount, uh, an immense amount of respect for Oregon. So shout out BY Cougars and your fan base for being absolutely amazing when it came to a tribute to Spencer Webb. Now, anyway, guys, let's kind of get back on a, uh, a, I guess you could say higher note, so to speak, and let's talk about the 11th ranked Michigan State Spartans traveling to Seattle, Washington, to take on the Washington Huskies. Now, this game. I mean, I guess Vegas, obviously, they got some insider info because I didn't expect it to turn out to be this, like the result that the game actually did have because, boy, oh, boy, did Michigan State struggle throughout this whole entire game because their rushing game, which they have been known for the past few years with guys like Kenneth Walker, was absolutely non-existent today against the Washington, not almost said Washington State, against the Washington defense as they only had a total of 42 rushing yards on the game. In the game, in the game, they only had 42. It just blows my mind because this team is known to be a running offense. If they if they, if they are able to run the ball on you, they most likely have won the game. And then Peyton Thorne on the opposite or not the opposite side, but the starting quarterback from Michigan State, he didn't even have a bad game in my opinion from what I'm looking at statistically. 30 for 42, 323 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. I mean, he's already been a pretty solid quarterback throughout the year. I know he probably made some boneheaded passes regardless. But overall, he didn't have himself a bad game. But the biggest issue in this game, and I know Michigan State fans and even Washington fans will say, is that just Michigan State could not get the ball going. They could not run the ball effectively against a team that they probably should have been able to beat. But I want to give Washington the credit that they absolutely deserve because the former uh, Indiana starting quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., which I probably absolutely butchered his last name but dude was a stud back in the COVID year for Indiana had a rough 2021 year dealt with some injuries decided to actually transfer to Washington uh during the offseason and man has he had an amazing start to the 2022 season for the Washington Huskies and this was definitely a prove it game for him because 
he's got a bunch of talent and quarterbacks right behind him, and man, did he show out when they needed him the most as he went 24 for 40, 397 yards passing with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. So absolutely amazing game by Michael as he would lead the Washington Huskies over the Michigan State Spartans, who were 11th at the time, 39 to 28. Now, I'm telling you, Vegas has got to have some type of like information or they dictate these games somehow because no offense, I know it was going to be a trap game for Michigan State and obviously it was, but the fact that, I mean, I would have probably bet Michigan State due to the fact that their running game has been fantastic this year, even their receivers have been pretty solid and they absolutely stunk this game. Kind of, it's kind of eye scratching to say the least, but <laughs> but regardless, you got to give Washington credit because they absolutely balled out. And I want to give a uh, Washington wide receiver Jalen Polk a shout out because he absolutely balled out in this game. He had six receptions for 153 yards receiving and three touchdowns. So huge game for him as he's only a, as he's only a freshman. So. He's going to definitely be a star for the Huskies going forward. As we know, they've produced many great wide receivers that are still currently in the NFL. But anyway, guys, the next game on this late afternoon, early evening uh, slate of games that I want to talk about, it's going to be, let's see here, I'm trying to look through all trying to look through all the games we've got. We're going to talk about the Texas Tech Red Raiders traveling to Raleigh, uh, North Carolina to take on the 16th ranked in uh, North Carolina State Wolfpack. Now, this game, in my opinion, was one of the more, uh, how do you want to say it, kind of interesting matchups, to say the least. North Carolina State did not start the year off great whatsoever. They almost got upset by East Carolina. They should have gotten upset by East Carolina if East Carolina, for some reason, knew how to actually kick a football. And Texas Tech was just coming off a uh, top 25 upset win over Houston last week, which... We'll talk about Houston and the very disappointing loss that they had uh, earlier on Saturday. But but anyway, let's talk about this game. Now, this was absolutely just utterly an embarrassment for Texas Tech on offense because their starting quarterback, Donovan Smith, he absolutely stunk. I'm sorry, Red Raider fans. This might be a little bit of TCU bias coming out of me, but I don't understand why y'all think he's the next greatest, like next great quarterback at Texas Tech because he had three interceptions last week. And he proceeded to continue his legacy as he had two this week as well against NC State, which is not something you can afford to do against a top 25 team. Now, he had a decent amount of passing yards, and he also had one touchdown. But once again, he definitely did not have a great game. And also for Texas Tech, they weren't able to run the ball against NC State whatsoever as they only had uh, 54 total rushing yards on 26, excuse me, on 26 total carries. So... Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not something you want, especially against a top 25 opponent. Now, they did spread the ball out a lot. They had a ton of different wide receivers they connected with. But on the flip side for NC State, we have to make sure to give them some credit as well. I mean, I know statistically they didn't have a great game at all. As their starting quarterback, Devin Leary, he only had 120 total passing yards in this game. So, not the absolute greatest. But, I mean, they picked up a lot of his slack, especially on defense and Ultimately, NC State would be able to hold off the Texas Tech Red Raiders 27-14 as Texas Tech now falls to 2-1, and and NC State improves to 3-0, which, in my opinion, this wasn't like the greatest game of the weekend, which I thought it would be, but unfortunately, that's just how things go. But ultimately, NC State walks away with the victory. 
Now, anyway, the next game that I want to talk about is going to be Notre Dame taking on the Cal Golden Bears at home. And boy, <laughs> man, this Notre Dame team just continues to just somehow disappoint more and more each week. I mean, it's just sad to see how they started this year completely. You know, they had all the hype in the world. I think they started out the season ranked number five in the country. And then after two weeks, they were already unranked, which that speaks a large volume. You know, they lost to Ohio State week one. Most people probably already knew that, so they dropped them down to, I think it was eight. And then they got upset at home by Marshall. Now, not a great start for Morgan, or not Morgan Freeman, <laughs> for Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame. And now that he was going into week three, he's already 0-3, and you're probably wondering how's he 0-3. They lost last year to Oklahoma State in the uh, Fiesta Bowl, which was his first technical game as, as the head coach of uh, Notre Dame. But anyway, besides that, going into this game against Cal, Notre Dame, I mean, they legitimately, if they did not beat this Cal team, I honestly think uh, Marcus Freeman's uh, head would literally be on a cutting board because this would be one of the worst losses and one of the worst starts to a season I think Notre Dame has had in probably decades. So going into this game, it was starting to get worrisome because after the first quarter, it was it was tied 0-0. Yeah, it I mean, no team had put up any points. And then going into halftime, California led Notre Dame 10-7. And now just mind you, this game was played in South Bend. It wasn't played in Berkeley. It was played in South Bend. So Notre Dame was losing at home to a California team that, no offense, is not that great. They're not good. They probably will finish bottom in the Pac-12 this year. So the fact that Notre Dame, a team that has gotten so many transfers, they're about to have one of the best recruiting classes in next year's class. They can't even compete with a Cal team that probably won't even get top 50 in recruiting next year and probably didn't even get top 50 in recruiting this past year. It's just concerning as can be. And then to add on top of that, the poor, and I mean poor offensive play in the first half when you look statistically it probably you kind of fooled a little bit because uh notre dame starting quarterback drew P uh pine his his stats aren't bad he had seven he went 17 for 23 150 yards passing with two touchdowns so you know not a bad passing game whatsoever for him but when you actually watch this game they had to run the ball pretty much every play or they were never going to be able to get a first down here, first down there, or be able to have any type of offense. And it got so bad that there was a viral clip of Notre Dame offensive coordinator. Um, Good Lord, what is his name? He was, a, he was a former quarterback at Notre Dame, and he was going off. And, I mean, he was going off on Drew, uh, Drew Pine. I mean, he literally was telling him, just do your effing job, like, I mean, it was bad. I mean, you can tell a lot of these coaches are probably frustrated, too. I know, obviously, this was not the start to the season that they wanted. And, obviously, I know the players, this was not the start that they wanted either. But, ultimately, Notre Dame would somehow, and I mean somehow, barely survive against Cal as it came to a literal last-minute Hail Mary, which California probably should have caught to win the game. But ultimately, Notre Dame got very, very lucky as the wide receiver would drop the ball. And Notre Dame would go on to get their first win of the season against California, 24-17. to So California, they dropped a 2-1. Notre Dame improves to a solid 1-2. Uh, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame does next week. But anyway, guys, the next game that I want to talk about on this beautiful, and I mean absolutely beautiful Saturday of college football is going to be the two-lane green wave taking on the Kansas State Wildcats. And I'm not going to harp on this game a lot because I, I, I'm telling you, I didn't watch a single snap of this game at all. But 
when I heard the result of this game, I absolutely almost lost it. So, in case you all don't know, former Nebraska starting quarterback and longtime quarterback Adrian Martinez, he transferred to K-State over the offseason as now their starting quarterback. And their, off, and their offense, for the most part this year, outside of their starting running back, Deuce Vaughn, has been pretty lackluster, to say the least. And in this game, I'm guessing Adrian Martinez just was not good at all because he only went 21 for 31, 150 yards passing with one touchdown, and then had a QB rating of 30.7. So, yeah, not a great game by Adrian Martinez by any means. Now, Deuce Vaughn, he did Deuce Vaughn's. Deuce Vaughn things. He had 20 carries for 81 rushing yards, so not a bad game by him. But the best part was that Tulane somehow figured out a way to get an upset over Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas, by a score of 17 to 10. Now Tulane they improved to 3 and 0 on the year, and K State falls to 2 and 1 as they are upset at home over a pretty. I mean, honestly, Tulane's a pretty solid Group of Five school. I mean. They absolutely definitely deserve some type of recognition as they've, they're they starting the season 3-0. and I mean, most teams aren't able to do that at all. Now, uh, the next game I want to talk about is going to be uh, the Colorado Buffaloes traveling up to uh, Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Man, I feel bad for Colorado fans, and it pains me to say as a TCU fan, especially how much trash they talked, but this Colorado team is just so incapable of doing anything on defense and offense as they would lose this game to Minnesota by a score of 49-7 to as Minnesota starting running back Mo Ibrahim had three touchdowns on the day and absolutely just bullied the Buffaloes all afternoon long. So, But, I mean, Minnesota, they're not bad at all. I know that they're starting the season now 3-0 and as well, and they might be able to kind of be a good sneaky team in the Big Ten. We just have to wait and see when they start conference play. Now, anyway, the game that I've been looking so forward to talking about was the Kansas Jayhawks traveling to Houston to take on the Houston Cougars. Now, Houston coming off a very disappointing loss last week at Lubbock against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They were hoping to bounce back against a Kansas team that historically has been horrifyingly bad. Now, this year, things have kind of changed a little bit because last week, Kansas went up to Morgantown, West Virginia, took on the West Virginia Mountaineers and upset them at home, which no one expected at all. And then the week before, they absolutely blew out Tennessee Tech. So offensively, Kansas has been very solid so far this season, and they continue that offensive domination as Kansas starting quarterback Jalen Daniels had himself an absolute day as he both passed for 100 plus yards and rushed for 100 plus passed for a rush for 100 plus yards goodness i cannot talk at all but anyway uh, jalen he went 14 for 23 throwing with 158 passing yards and three touchdowns and then to add on top of that jalen also had 12 carries for 123 passing yards with two touchdowns so he had five total touchdowns on the day and just absolutely dominated against this Houston Cougars defense. And man, was it just a sad day if you were a Houston Cougars fan because they just could not get anything going at all. Offensively, when you look at receiving numbers, they were not bad at all. Uh, their best wide receiver, Tank Dell, he had six receptions for 76 yards. And, I mean, it wasn't a horrible day by any means for them statistically, but when you watch this game, Kansas just simply dominated throughout I mean, the you know, just the whole game. And then there was a viral clip of, I guess, a specialist came onto the sideline and shoved a player he was mad at on Houston. So two teammates were fighting each other on Houston's sideline, which just goes to show maybe this Kansas team might be for real. I mean, 
could this be potentially another recap of 2007 where we see Kansas maybe potentially make a bid for New York Six Bowl? And I don't want to overhype them too much because they haven't played what you could say is considered a great team yet because Houston barely, barely beat UTSA week one and then lost to Tech. But this offense of Kansas has been super solid so far this year, like probably the best offense we've seen them have have had in years. And this is the first time they've started their season 3-0, and I think, since, goodness, when was it? I think it was 2009. So, yeah, this is a new chapter in Kansas football. I'm hoping they continue to go down the right direction because when Kansas football is good in football, everything just goes right when it comes in terms of college football. But anyway, guys, the next game that I want to talk about is going to be the the twenty the twenty first ranked Texas Longhorns taking on the UTSA Roadrunners down in Austin. Uh, it was kind of interesting because for the most part, at half, you know, Texas was only, Texas was tied with UTSA seventeen to seventeen. So, kind of some concern because once again, Texas is without their starting quarterback Quinn Ewers due to a shoulder injury he had last week against Alabama. And then also to add on top of that, a lot of other guys are kind of dealing with some little, not little injuries, but they're dealing with some injuries and everything like that. But in the second half, Texas completely dominated as they would go on to beat UTSA 41-20. to And then for the final game that I want to talk about in this uh, uh, late afternoon, early evening slate of games is going to be the 20th ranked Ole Miss Rebels taking on Georgia Tech down in Atlanta and. Oh my goodness, man! Georgia Tech has got to. I mean, I don't honestly. I don't know what to say with this Georgia Tech team, because week one when they played Clemson, it was so funny because defensively they looked like they were making strides in the right direction. Like they generally looked like okay, maybe they might actually be a solid team. Like you know, they might actually be a force to be reckoned with. But then they met their first major, and I mean major opponent in Ole Miss, and boy, oh boy. Did Ole Miss absolutely run them over on offense as former TCU running back and now current Ole Miss running back Zach Evans. He had 18 carries for 134 rushing yards and two touchdowns, which pains me to say, but I'm happy for him because he's absolutely just balling out for Ole Miss so far this season. And then for Ole Miss, their starting quarterback, Jackson Dart, the uh, former USC quarterback, he went 10 for 16 for 207 yards passing and one interception. So, unfortunately, he didn't get a, a passing touchdown, but, you know, he still did pretty solid overall. And then on the flip side, Georgia Tech, uh, they couldn't even muster 200 total yards of offense. I feel bad for Jeff Sims because he only because he went 18 for 32 for 161 passing yards, zero touchdowns, and uh, zero interception while he was able to hold a 20 QBR. So, yeah, it's definitely some rough times right now in Atlanta for Georgia Tech, and there's going to be some serious conversations definitely going on right now down there in uh, Atlanta about the the future of Jeff Collins because, unfortunately, I don't think it's looking too well for him going into the future. But anyway, guys, the next game that I want to talk about, and now as we kind of transition over to our uh, evening slate of games, we're first we are going to talk about the Texas A&M Aggies taking on the 13th-ranked Miami Hurricanes. And, man, was this a game that Texas A&M needed to absolutely dominate on just both sides of the ball because after a horrifyingly bad game against Appalachian State last week where they pretty much just donated $1.5 million to Appalachian State, they looked they were looking to bounce back against a Miami Hurricanes team that had started the season pretty solid. And, honestly, I, th- I think a lot of people probably expected, you know, Miami to be able to give them some struggles today, especially offensively. Well, 
it was kind of vice versa because this Texas A&M offense, or not offense, this Texas A&M defense, despite missing, I think it was like four, uh, four secondary guys, they pretty much controlled Miami throughout this whole game. They only allowed Miami starting quarterback uh, Tyler Van Dyke to throw for only 217 passing yards, zero touchdowns, and zero interceptions. As Miami didn't even have a single touchdown this whole game, they kept the Miami Hurricanes from scoring a single touchdown. So we're kind of starting to see a little bit of what the Aggies should have looked like from week one, which is why I told a lot of y'all don't panic about this Aggie team because, unfortunately, Haynes King should not have been the starting quarterback for the Aggies. I know Aggie fans probably, they will now tell you that he shouldn't have been. I mean, Max Johnson, I could tell you from looking at some of the Texas A&M spring practices and fall camp practices, he looked a lot more solid. I get Haynes King. He's been in the system for three years. You know, he's he, he's got a lot, and I mean a lot of mobile mobile talent and everything like that. But Max Johnson overall is a much more proven quarterback. He doesn't need as much more development, and he's already kind of a game-ready guy. And Max Johnson absolutely showed that today as he went 10 for 20 for 140 yards passing and one touchdown. Now, the true story of the A&M offense is going to be in the hands of Devon A-Chain, where he had 18 carries for 88 yards rushing and absolutely balled out against Miami because statistically, doesn't tell you the few doesn't tell you the full story. I mean, it never will, but he had a couple rushes that really changed the momentum going forward in this game. And outside of that, I mean, A&M had two straight targeting calls in the first half, which hurt them severely in the secondary. But Miami just couldn't get anything going on offense as the Texas A&M Aggies would upset the 13th ranked Miami Hurricanes by a score of 17 to nine. So A&M will probably jump back up in the rankings. I would say they'll probably either be like between 15 and 20. I doubt they'll be top 15, but definitely could see them possibly around the 17th to 18th range. So great win for Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies. And now, guys, one of the final games and probably the final game that I want to talk about to wrap up all of week three's beautiful action that it brought us is going to be between the Mississippi State Bulldogs traveling to Baton Rouge, Louisiana to take on the LSU Tigers. Now, LSU... They had a pretty decent uh, uh, bounce back week last week. They played Southern University, so pretty much a game just to get their confidence back up. Mississippi State, they started the season so far 2-0 and as well, so not as well because LSU was 1-1, and but either way, this is definitely going to be a very entertaining matchup as Mississippi State has a high-powering offense with their starting quarterback, Will Rogers. And then on the flip side, LSU starting quarterback, uh, Jaden Daniels, He's been very solid so far this year. I mean, he he wasn't even bad in the FSU game. Never was really able to throw the football just due to the sheer fact that that young offensive line for LSU was just getting completely bull rushed by Florida State. So this was definitely a prove-it game as they opened SEC play. And, man, did Jaden Daniels have himself a day as well as he had 22 – or as he went 22 for 37, 210 yards passing with one touchdown. And then to add on top of that, he almost had another 100 yards in rushing – as he had 16 carries for 93 yards rushing and a touchdown. So very solid day from LSU starting quarterback Jaden Daniels. Now Kayshawn Boutte, supposed to be the number one wide receiver in all of college football, didn't have necessarily the greatest day at all either. As he only had three receptions for 31 yards receiving. So definitely it's kind of interesting you know, what's going on with him because going into this season, and especially if you watched him at the beginning of last, of last season, he looked like he was going to easily be the next great LSU wide receiver to come out of the program. And 
it's kind of starting to take a trend for the worst. And I mean, you know, I don't want to say that because obviously he could bounce back next week and I'm going to absolutely bite my words. But there is, I don't want to say, I don't want to say some worrisome, but there is some question marks about potentially, you know, what's going on with that. But Brian Kelly officially gets his first SEC win as a head coach for LSU as LSU also improves the 1-0 in conference play. And Mississippi State, despite having an okay game, I mean, it wasn't, Trust me, it wasn't their greatest game by any means. They played decent, but LSU would hold off against the Mississippi State Bulldogs 31-16 to as Brian Kelly finally gets a huge win to kind of boost the momentum of this LSU program. But anyway, guys, I hope you all absolutely enjoyed today's episode and recap of all the action from the 2022 College Football Week 3 weekend. I know I definitely did. I loved all the football we had. You know, let me know what y'all's favorite game was this weekend. Let me know on Instagram or TikTok or wherever you, wherever might work best for y'all. Just let me know what y'all's favorite game was watching because there was definitely plenty of games to watch. So, but anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of y'all's week. I will see y'all back here on Tuesday for the NFL Week 2 recap. And then I will also see y'all back here on, uh, on Wednesday for the NFL Week 3 preview. So, guys, we have a lot of action, a lot more football action to look forward to and just once again, I want to thank you all for your support that you continue to show on all of these episodes. And just know I'm going to continue to work and work and work and be able to make sure I give you all every single, every single one of these episodes every single week. So anyway, guys, I'll see you all in the next one. And absolutely take care. Peace.